Welcome to Lock It Down Sports. I'm your host, Locke Hoover. Thank you for joining me today. I'm really excited to uh, jump right in and uh, get started talking with you uh, tonight and uh, the start of the Lock It Up podcast. First, I want before we get into it, I want to talk to you a little bit about Stream Studios. Stream Studios is a multi-camera live streaming platform that allows you to go live in less than a minute. It's a video podcasting live webinar streaming platform that allows you to stream to multiple platforms all at the same time. Check so go check out Stream. Really cool platform and um, system to check out. Now, I want to get into Tennessee LSU from last week, and it was a very impressive, impressive start from the Tennessee Vols. I mean, what they did was very impressive, and it's not like at this point, it's a shock of what they've done and what they did when it comes to playing football with beating two top 25 teams in Pitt and Florida before coming in and facing LSU. They took care of LSU handily. And really the key to me and the keys for me in this game were were Tennessee getting off the field on third and long. They had to. We saw what had their struggles against Florida, which I'll get into, and against Pitt. Yeah, they were good on third down against Pitt, but they failed to tackle. We'll get into that as well. But against so against LSU, they were seven for eighteen on third and fourth down. LSU was seven of for eighteen on third and fourth down, which just shows the improvement that they've had of these last few weeks against Florida. For example, Florida was 12, 21 on third and fourth down Tennessee just improved their tackling. They were getting after the quarterback. They were getting after Daniels. They had five sacks, five sacks, which you didn't see that against Pitt. You didn't see that against Florida. And really the only reason I'm talking about those two in Tennessee's undefeated record because those are two big programs that they've played. So that's why I'm really harping on Florida and Pitt because I'm not can't take into account the other the other non-power the non-power five schools. And another big key was like Tennessee capitalized on their situations in the first half. In the shoot, the very first play when LSU fumbled the kickoff, Tennessee says, All right, let's go score. It's exactly what they did. They went scoop and score. After, excuse me, they recovered the fumble and they drove down the field on a few plays, two plays, I believe, and scored. That's what you do if you're a good football team. You capitalize on your opportunities that you have. You attack. You got out early, fast start. That's what Tennessee's about. They like getting off on fast starts to begin with, with their offense, how explosive their offense is. They were able to do that, and they capitalized on their opportunity, first and foremost, in the first half on the first drive. Second, 
capitalize on their opportunities was their stop on fourth down before the half where LSU was driving, okay? They're driving to try to punch this ball in. Or, you know what, let's get in field goal range. They risked it. They got the fourth down, and Tennessee stopped them. Plenty of, they didn't have any timeouts, but they were able to drive down and get in field goal range and score in the fourth in that a half in the before the half. Very impressive. That's that's what you're supposed to do. That's what you do. You put a stranglehold on teams when they try to make a difference. You put a hold on them. And that's what Tennessee did. And then the fourth quarter, you saw Tennessee was able to kill the clock. Yes, it, it sounds easier. It sounds like an easy concept, right? But really, Tennessee is offense is going so fast, up paced, up tempo, that it's almost an issue sometimes for them to slow it down and not rush. And, and, and not rush. Because that's what they're used to doing 95% of the game. So the improvement there that we've seen in the Pitt game and the Florida game of trying to kill some time, they do this against the LSU against LSU. And Tennessee this year is actually a real team. Yeah, they're top 10 rating. They're in they're ranked eighth. And right rightfully so. They've established they're a good team this year, and it's really going to come down to what echelon are they this year. They've got a big one coming up this week, obviously tomorrow, scoring off against Alabama. And we'll get into Alabama-Tennessee matchup here in a little bit. But that's a big one. And like I said earlier, they've beaten three top 25 teams this season already. They had a bye last week, rest up, get prepared for Alabama. But impressive start, and their offense is only going to continue to get better and smoother with the way Hendon Hooker is playing and everything that he's doing. So there's no doubt in my mind that Tennessee's a good football team. And the first time they've been relevant in a good amount of time. Now... Talking about relevant, someone who's always relevant is, of course, Alabama. And, you know, the big buildup this year uh, in this game, Alabama, Texas A&M, when Jimbo Fisher calls out Alabama Nick Saban about paying for players and paying for recruits and that whole fiasco. Well, it's time to put up or shut up if you're Texas A&M, right? You're coming in against Alabama without Bryce Young. Without Bryce Young, the Heisman-winning quarterback. And now, the even the college game has become a lot more quarterback-driven than it used to. You should not be as big of a quarterback-driven uh, league in the um, NCAA compared to compared to the NFL. Now it's becoming more and more because of the high-powered offenses. So you come in against Alabama without Bryce Young. 
you feel pretty you should feel pretty good and it that's basically what uh you got shut down really i mean it was alabama's defense in the first half they were getting after texas a&m after him putting pressure on him sacking him getting after him making him feel uncomfortable in the pocket that obviously big effect and then i mean watching that football game offensively they were obviously a different team without Bryce Young they weren't slinging it all around left and right all over the place not as many down for throws they didn't push the ball they didn't push the issue it was a lot more heavy run even the quarterback Milrow taking off running more. You don't see Bryce Young doing that. I mean, he only had 111 passing yards on the on the game. Bryce Young has that in the first quarter. May, maybe second. May, beginning of the second when I say second. Like, that's, that's just Bryce Young slinging around. That's what he does. That's what the Alabama offense is. Sending around him. And of course you knew they were going to run it more with uh, Jabir Gibbs. That dude, he's a stud. And it's not a surprise what he's doing in the offense behind that Alabama offensive line. He can showcase his talent a little bit more compared to what he did behind that Georgia Tech offensive line. Big upgrade, obviously. But then Alabama's offense started to open up a little bit more in the second quarter. It opened a little bit more, and you're like, okay, let's see if he can sling it around, see if he can throw the ball around a little bit. And it wasn't, you could tell it wasn't as smooth of all the turnovers that they had. And that's what really, obviously, why Alabama couldn't put away Texas A&M and why why Texas A&M was in that game from the very end. And they capitalized on those turnovers. They had four turnovers. When was the last time you could say an Alabama team under Nick Saban had four turnovers? You have four turnovers and you win a football game? That's not very often. You have, that does not happen very often. And that's really one of the biggest difference. I mean, that's why the game was so close down to the last play. And then getting into that game... It was a sloppy game. Not smooth, but Alabama found a way to gut it out. And then some I think some I think some really big swings in this football game was with 620 left. I like Texas AM going for it down seven instead of kicking that field goal. Because they had to make a statement. They had to based on where they were in the field, based on how much clock was left. And I think to me, another difference, another play, I did not like them going for it on 4th and 13 with 4 minutes left. Because if you kick the field goal there, you cut it to 4. Granted, the two penalties forced them to kick a, what was it, a uh, mid-40s, uh, uh 40-something yard field goal. So that right there uh, was two big plays that could have gone, that that were a difference. 
and affected the game. Obviously, them hitting that field goal, they were get the, able to get the ball back and drive down the field and almost punch it in and win that football game. Because you're down four, touchdown, wins. If they go for it, they don't get it. It doesn't really matter as much because then you're still down 10. I always, always like to extend the game as much as possible for as long as possible. That's just what you do to extend a football game. And Texas A&M was almost like forced to do it because of the penalties. And Alabama was able to scrape by with one. I know for a fact a Nick Saban was none too happy. And you can only imagine what how practice was this week. It was intense. As uh, Nick Saban liked to say, they needed to focus better this week, and I'm sure they did, because you know Nick Saban was all up on them. And that brings me to Tennessee, Alabama coming up tomorrow. Some of you have already will won't hear this at a later time. But this Tennessee, Alabama game is to me, it breaks down as the best on best. And what I mean by that is this is the best defense Tennessee's seen, and it's the best offense Alabama has seen, bar none this year, without a doubt. So Tennessee's averaged 32, excuse me, 37.3 points per game versus the Power Five. I just did those three schools, Pitt, Florida, and LSU. Alabama has only given up 17 points per game versus the Power Five. That's Texas, Vandy, Arkansas, and AM. So there's what meets the, the rubber in the road. Now, when it comes to where this game ends, where this game looks, I mean, Hinton Hooker's going to have to will them to a victory if Tennessee's going to win. Now, we still don't know, haven't heard anything yet about Cedric Tillman. If he's playing, he was out of the LSU game. And then. The um, assault charges on the uh, Tennessee safety. Uh, no word yet if he's going to play, what's going to happen with that. So that's another wait and see as well. Then, of course, you got the big one in Alabama with who's a QB? Is it Milrow or is it Bryce? And that's where it lies, the, obviously, the big difference. Tennessee's a lot better team than Texas A&M. If Milrow is a QB, I like Tennessee to win just because of what, what we've seen. It's on the road. It's in Knoxville. Not an easy place to play when you get 100,000 screaming at you loud the entire game. That atmosphere is going to be rocking. It's going to be loud and kneeling. Bryce, that's not going to face him. He's won national championships. He's played in hostile, loud environments. No big deal. How how healthy is he? Is he playing? I don't know. We, we There hasn't been any uh, reports yet. Do I think he'll play? Yeah, I do. I think he's going to start. Even with, even with Bryce Young, to me, I feel like Tennessee has a real chance to win even with Bryce Young. I don't do I, I no I don't think they will just because Tennessee's defense is not great it's okay 
And that's really where it stands with Tennessee and the defense. Because they're going to be on the field a lot. They're not going to win the time of possession battle. That's just not happening with how quick and how explosive the Tennessee offense can be. So the defense is going to be on the field a lot in a longer time. That's always going to be a battle. They just have to make the plays they're supposed to do. Sound tackling. They can't miss their assignments. Fundamentally sound football. I know it's cliche, and that, but that's really what it is because the Tennessee stats defensively are never going to be great, outstanding, or eye-popping. They have to be enough to help out the offense. And one thing, Tennessee can get in a shootout. That's that's how they are with their offense. So they can get in a shootout. I mean, and another thing too, I would lean on, like I would want as a Tennessee man, want Bryce Young to play. And here's why. I'd want him to play because if you win, there's no asterisk behind beside that. There's no questions of, oh, well, if Bryce Young was in, they win by 30. Or they win by 15. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not a question. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. And it gives Tennessee a better look if we start talking about the playoff committee. You can start talking about that now and kind of uh, circle the wagons and make, a, make, a, make an impression. Work would still not be done. They've got a pretty solid Kentucky team. Of course, they've got Georgia in two weeks. Or no, excuse me, three weeks. Because for Tennessee, it's Bama, UT Martin, Kentucky, Georgia. That's not an easy stretch. You got you have a breather next week in uh, UT Martin. And then you got Kentucky, Georgia. So here's your chance, little stretch run, to make an impression on the committee. And then if you're then you're on the radar of what happens if you lose a game, you got a little bit of wiggle room maybe against Georgia. So it, there's a lot to wait and see. Now, Alabama, just like I said, they can have an asterisk, and it will be an asterisk to the playoff committee if they lose to a Tennessee without Bryce Young. We saw this a few years ago in the in Clemson. When, uh, was, it, was it Trevor Lawrence? Or was it Deshaun Watson? It's I'm going blank. Uh, didn't play a game and they lost. They lost. They got a little. They got a little overlooked because oh, it's okay. One of the, their quarterback wasn't playing. I believe it was Trevor Lawrence. Go back and double check that. But that matters. That stuff matters to the committee. So three thirty game day is going to be there. Peyton Manning, the guest picker. So that that it'll be a wild, loud atmosphere down in Knoxville. Now, staying in the SEC, the other dominant team, Georgia. Georgia looked dominant and sharp in this one as a whole. First quarter, kind of sluggish offensively, but the defense looked great. Yes, it is pretty easy to look great. When you play an Auburn offense that's um, stagnant and lacking in quarterback talent, shall I say. But a good team's supposed to do that and put them away. And that's what Georgia did. They were to put them away, 
and Georgia just grinds and grinds and leans and leans and leans on you. 292 yards on the ground, 35 minutes of time of possession. So they held the ball, grinded you out, and they were able to do that against Georgia. Stetson, okay. Didn't have uh, huge plays, but he did enough to let that ground game go in and grind it out. Like I said, Auburn offense, it's looked bad all year. So it hasn't, it's not like, oh, they play this tough Georgia defense, which Georgia's defense is good, no doubt about it. But that's what stagnated the Auburn offense? Uh, no, not at all. They had 259, excuse me, 258 total, 160, 165 passing, 93 on the ground. Weird thing, too, Tank, Tank Bigsby only had 10 carries. For 19 yards. That's hard to fathom and understand for me. I don't I don't get to understand it. So Auburn is Auburn's scratching, struggling, and it's gonna be an interesting to see what happens with their coach. What are they doing with Harson? You know, the sharks are swirling those boosters up there in Auburn, swirling around, and you've got Two, I feel like, viable candidates to potentially be the new head coach and Matt Rule just got, like, fired by the Carolina Panthers. And then, I mean, the obvious one over there in Liberty, Hugh Freeze. That's, you know, that's the other the other big one. Is he actually going to leave Liberty? I thought he was going to be in Knoxville two years ago. I did. Surprisingly, obviously he's not. He stayed at Liberty. I think I feel like it's him rate waiting for the right job. And I think some of it is the right fit. And I think he's going to get back in the SEC. Auburn could be a landing spot for him. Wait to see what they do with Brian Harson. It'll be something to watch because just the way it's turned out, it could be uh, a short lease, a short lease. For Brian Harson to potentially make it through the year, that's that's a wait and see. We'll have to uh, find out what happens with Harson. Now, I saw this story the other day about uh, SMU players coming out and saying they were going to sit out after the fourth game and redshirt the season. So they get their four they get their four games. And then you get to redshirt now. So that's, you can play your four games and then redshirt. And then they said they were going to enter the portal. Which to me, that's not that's not very surprising at SMU. You're at a mid-tier school. But you want to obviously go to a Power 5 school. You put some tape on out. You ball out. You play. You go to the portal, you transfer to fill in the blank wherever. Like I said, not a not a not a uh, not a surprise. It could be a ripple effect on your own team, though. Your backup plays. What if he plays well? He transfers out. Or what if he plays well and then the very following year he does the exact same thing of plays four games, sits out. Transfer portal. Not not uncommon. I, it wouldn't surprise me 
see that interesting thing though too being at smu you're in a great market right there in dallas all kinds of spending opportunities for advertisers for name image likeness no doubt about it but the tricky thing is also with dallas look at all your competition you're fighting with you're fighting with all your pro teams the mavs the uh the rangers i mean and, and the, the the hockey team as well so you get all your pro teams and i'm not 100 sure on this i would I would venture to guess, even in Dallas, there's still some NIL money going to the Longhorns out there in Austin. Because you know that has to be a big fan base that lives in in Dallas that's here for Longhorns. So it's 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 a tough, tricky market there for SMU. So you enter the portal. You transfer to an Oklahoma, an Ole Miss, smaller market size, but they're the they're the kings of the area, so therefore they're going to get more revenue, NIL deals. So it's a not a surprise, and I think it's it's going to be a cycle of a continuous thing. That it'll happen. Now, let me remind you real quick here about Stream Studio. Great platform. Like I said earlier, you can do anything you want with it. Podcasting, live streams. It gives you everything you want. A lot of options. Stream Studio. Go check it out. Very cool platform. I recommend you you get on it. You enjoy using Stream Studio. You'll enjoy using Stream Studio. Now, Baseball season is regular season ended, obviously, and we're in the postseason. And I just, I just want to say, I mean, how fun is it if you actually have a good baseball team? I mean, just think about it. There's 162 games in a baseball season. Just obviously talking about regular season, not talking about postseason. Your team wins a majority of those games. If they're good, just how enjoyable is that to sit back and watch and take in a long season? It's a long season, enjoyable season for you, as opposed to think of college football or the NFL. Pro, you get 17 games. Hopefully you get more, but you only get 17 games. College, you get 12 games, 13 games if you're the conference championship, and then... Hopefully you have 15 games and you're and you're happy. But just think about it. 15 games, 17 regular season NFL games. Hopefully it's just 19, it's 18, it's 18 and 19. Hopefully it's two more in the postseason. Or maybe your wild card, you get three, four more, you know, just depending on where you, where you fall. But that's still not many games compared to the enjoyment you have for Major League Baseball. Think about it too. How many opportunities you have to go to a game live? You get 81 games to go enjoy live if you choose. Are you going to all those? No, you're not going to 81 games, but you go to 8, 10, 12, 15 games. Think about it too. College. 
You get six games. Maybe you pick, all right, let's go to a fun road game. Seven. Okay, I'm going to the playoffs. Eight, nine. Still, nine games. And you go by, by so fast. That's the exact same, obviously, same thing with pro. I get half my home games, half are away games. And then hopefully I'm in the playoffs and I get, hopefully I get a home playoff game. If not, do I travel, do I not? Usually you don't have the the means to make every road game. It's great if you do, but a normal a normal family doesn't. They're not they're not able to. Just the amount of joy you have and you can get for only having for having a good baseball team. Now, for someone like the Pirates this year or the Nationals, you can't wait to get to football season. You can't wait to go see the Steelers play. But it's a it's just this just fun to think about and interesting to think about how long baseball season is, but how and just like how fun and enjoyable it is and it can be if you truly enjoy sports and your teams succeed. I I can't tell another how great of a feeling it actually is. That's all I've got tonight, guys. Look forward to talking with you on this is the first edition of Lock It Up, Lock It Down Sports. I don't even know my own name. Lock it I've Lock It Down Sports. I uh, look forward to talking to you. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Lock It Up Media. So give me a tweet. Give me a holler at Lock It Up Media. Look forward to talking to you next week, guys. Have a good one. Thanks. Bye.